What do they call it? They call it uh, Royale with cheese. Royale with cheese. That's right. What's going on, guys? Welcome to the fourth episode of the Royale with Cheese. Uh, today, uh, we're going to break down uh, Midsommar, Spider-Man Far From Home, and uh, Stranger Things Season 3. But to begin off, I'd like to say uh, we're halfway through the year, which means uh, actually we're over halfway through. So uh, I want to pose the question, is 2019 shaping up to be a better year for movies than 2018? Well, going off this note, I would have to say no. I mean, 2018 was such a strong year with the death of Stalin, They Shall Not Grow Old, Annihilation, A Quiet Place, Deadpool 2, Hereditary, Incredibles, The Sister Brothers, Into the Spider-Verse, The Favorite. So that's just some of them that proves that 2018 is just such a solid year. And, I mean, so far, 2019, I think I've seen worse movies than I've seen good. You also got to think, though, uh, award seasons is coming up, and also Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is coming up. But I think 2019 could take the cake. 2018 was good, but, but a lot of people thought 2018 was actually a pretty weak year for movies in general. I, I disagree. I think it was a pretty good year, too. But I think this year has a lot of potential. I mean, from seeing what I've already saw, like uh, Midsummer, and then also uh, just, once again, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood coming out, I'm a big Tarantino fan. And I'm really excited for it. It looks really good. And, I mean, there's just, like I said, there's a ton of movies coming out that I think could overwhelm it. But if I'm going straight off right now, I will say it's been pretty weak. I've seen, I've seen a couple, handful of movies that I've really enjoyed this year. But overall, I would say this year has been pretty weak so far. And moving on to our first segment, we got uh, our first movie that we saw, which was Midsommar's. It is 2 hours and 27 minutes. It is categorized as a drama, horror, mystery, thriller. Midsommar's is a group of friends that travels to Sweden, focusing on this couple into this festival that is called Midsummer, And they start this retreat that goes on, and it devolves into a very violent, competitive culture. Yeah, so it's directed by Ari Aster, which uh, last year he uh, gave us Hereditary, which Seth and I both thoroughly enjoyed. I know it was a little polarizing, but I thought it was a very well-done horror movie, super well shot. So when this I saw this coming out, I was really excited for it, and when I went to go see it, it did not disappoint me. Um, like Seth said, it's basically this college friends, he one's from this commune in Sweden and basically he takes back these his friends to take part in this midsummer festival things this kind of devolve well midsummer is it uh it's a very gore gory movie i would say and you don't notice that till the end yeah i i think it, i think it um focuses more on disturbing images rather than i don't think there was really any jump there's one jump scare i think if I remember correctly, but yeah, the whole the whole horror aspect is more just disturbing images, and I mean they really went for it with a couple of them. I mean, it was shot in a, like a little different aspect ratio, like a two to one, and I mean, stellar performances honestly, especially from uh, Florence Pugh who played the main character Danny. She uh, her par- her parents and her whole family's pretty much dead, so she's struggling with grief. And her boyfriend just doesn't really care about her, so they go here, there's trouble. And it's just, it's just it, everything devolves really quick. But she plays a very solid performance. I mean, her acting in this is astounding. I mean, she really carries this movie because her boyfriend, 
who is a uh, Christian, he's just really, I, I felt like he was honestly the weakest part of this movie, but he still wasn't terrible. But um, also, I mean, this is, it looked great. I mean, they kept in the sunlight, so you could see all these colors. They used so many whites and just bright yellows and all different types of flowers and everything. So this whole movie was just like a treat for your eyes. It was honestly so well shot and so beautiful to look at. And that's why this runtime, I felt like, wasn't a big deal for me. Because uh, through the way they filmed it too, like it felt like, like they had cuts. The editing for this was phenomenal. Because the cut from scene to scene was so good. It like I said, the two hours and twenty seven minutes didn't seem that long, even though it was a slow burn because it it just kept you interested in the way it's being shot and what you were looking at, even if there was nothing really necessarily going on. And uh, so that's so basically, let's uh, let's get into some spoiling. I would say about moving on to the main character and her acting. I would say about her is I thought she was. A little bit overly dramatic, and yes, I mean, her parents did die, but she, any scene when you talked about any couple or anything like that, she was crying. I mean... Which, some people are dramatic, don't get me wrong. I don't think some she would actually be that dramatic. I mean, it was a oh, traumatic experiment, uh, experience. She would freak out at anything, literally No, anything. it was not that excessive, I didn't think. I thought, I thought she played it very well. I mean, it just happened, she goes on this trip, trying to recover, she's high on anything they give her the whole time so she's tripping don't get me wrong i'm not saying she acted bad i'm not saying that at all maybe that's what they were going for all i'm saying is i did not like that she was like no i get what you're saying super super dramatic yeah yeah, very dramatic after anything that came across yeah she was very emotional and i but i felt like it was like i didn't feel like it was so out of place for that character is what i'm saying like i said it's the one thing about this movie is uh ari aster he makes his movies where they have like, it's such a simple plot. I mean, they go, they go to this midsummer festival. They quickly they see two people just commit suicide. It's part of the ritual, right? This brutal suicide where they jump off this cliff, and it's really brutal. Then they go by and smash the heads in, and it's like this really kind of dark thing. And like you don't really understand what's going on because this is the first time. It's like an hour into the movie, and they throw this at you. And you're just, you know something's going to happen this whole movie. I mean, that's why you came here, you saw the trailers, but you're like, oh my gosh, like, this is just the beginning. And it was just, this movie is so simple, the plot. It's just this group of friends go here and everything kind of goes wrong because of the rituals and stuff. But yet there's so much hidden layers and everything. There's so many Easter eggs to find in this movie. That way it makes it rewatchable. And I thought that was a really good job in it. I mean, what else you got to say? It, it was definitely a very creepy movie, very dark I mean, a lot of the stuff they showed was very gory, like them when they jumped off the cliff, like Kira was saying, and then if they didn't die, they'd smash in their heads, and they'd do it repeatedly. I Now, I'm going to the second main character, Christian, who play, was played by Jack Raynor. Yeah, Raynor, I guess. So, I mean, I did not think his acting was that solid. Granted, Josh and Paley... Had phenomenal Pelly, acting. Pelly. I think it was Pelly. Pelly. The Swedish. Phenomenal acting. Like, really hit home. Well, also, Will, Will Poulter, who played Mark, he was like the comedic relief. He's yes, like the yes. guy from the Hunger Games with the crazy eyebrows yeah. and stuff. He he made the movie kind of fun, like, because he's just such a douchebag of a character. As fun as it could get. Yeah, exactly. Real. But, I mean, it, it definitely was a very dark movie. 
I would also say, unlike Hereditary, it did not really have anything that surprised me. Like, shocking, they jump off a cliff, but it didn't surprise me because I saw it was coming from a mile away. I mean, they're walking to the top of a cliff, cut their hands, wiping on a stone, you know they're going to jump off. Why did they walk to the top of a cliff and everyone's standing at the bottom? Or everything else that went on. Like, suddenly the kid goes missing. No one, everyone's like, oh yeah, he just went to the train. Yeah, everyone knows he's dead. Yeah, I mean, they were questioning it. Like, even they didn't take it, like, for face value either. Like, they all thought something was going on. But that's one thing, though, um, about this that I did enjoy is that, like, there was, the characters were stupid sometimes. Like, they just played, like, the stupid horror trope. But a lot of times they weren't. Like, a lot of times they thought something was going on, but just the way they were just tripped out or other things just led them from not or they wanted to finish their thesis thesis paper and like so it really held them back from really just taking it all in because they were looking like more selfishly like okay I, I this is weird but i need to do this or whatever and also i just want to hit on the aspect of uh like the, they have one inbred child and the inbred child writes like their scriptures and like then they interpret the scriptures i felt like it was uh him like taking on religion and i felt like and he was kind of showing like this is like good or bad he was saying like this is not like uh we basically just take these writings they're just scribblings and they're like okay we're interpreting it and this is the holy word basically and it's very questionable because this society this this commune they're just following these arbitrary rules that they set up and yet they follow them with such like they commit suicide they follow them because they believe them and, like, that whole aspect of, like, inbred people and stuff, that's what, to me, honestly, cults and inbred people, that's what scares me. Like, I can think of, like, Deliverance, for example. That movie's not even, like, that big of a horror movie, yet it terrifies me for that reason right there. It's the fact that, uh, they, it's the fact that these, these, these inbred groups and these cults that get together and they follow these arbitrary rules and they just, like, slaughter people and stuff, that's, like, the horror that scares me a lot, you know? See, I would disagree. I think they do play the stupid horror movie play. They're always sitting there and taking these, smoking these dumb things, drinking these dumb things, swallowing these dumb things without asking any questions. And if they do, it's like, hey, what's in this? And they're like, oh, just drink it. It's going to make you feel better. And then they just drink it. Well, they're just trying to enjoy their time. Like, that's the whole point of this trip is they were just trying to be on this drugged out trip. Like, that's the whole point of the trip they were going for like no i would disagree i'd say some of them are going for that trip like the kid that's supposed to be the comedic relief mark yeah he's going for that because he's always you always see him like vaping he's always the first one to jump on yeah yeah smoking but, these things but, but then the other ones want to like partake in the culture because they're trying to write their doctoral paper on this thesis. their thesis paper on this that like they're trying to really be a part of the festival and feel like they belong there I mean, I'd agree somewhat. Like, yeah, that, that is the whole point. They are trying to write the thesis. Don't get me wrong. I am trying to nitpick out here, but I'm not saying this is a bad movie well, at all. What did what did you think the runtime was too long? Yes, I, I do think it was a little bit too long. It felt like it was just keep going on and on and on and on. Now, they did have stuff in it, but, like, a lot of the stuff didn't make sense. Like, or not a lot of it, but some of it, like... I mean, this is a pretty cheesy nitpick, but, like, when they were dancing, yeah, how was she the last one to make it? Like, it was almost like a setup, which would make sense if they, yeah, that's it how could they be wanted to do it. Like, yeah. set it up where she wins, which would only make sense if she won. 
but you gotta think all these girls have been doing it times in the past. She's tripping hard because she's never been on these things before. Like you'd think, you'd think naturally she has the better advantage. Yeah, but it seemed like the whole festival was almost a setup just to bring in these college kids to repopulate, to uh, become the sacrifices. The sacrifices, exactly. So it felt like this whole festival is kind of set up towards them. Is what I, that's what I got from it. Like it's all meant for them basically because they need them for sacrifices and so on. Oh, I'd agree, and I, I mean, I would, I would say, probably my biggest nitpick is how didn't they see this coming? Like, it was pretty obvious. I mean, the people are jumping off at seventy-two, which they explain. They're like, oh, well, they're content. Like, everyone's content in this culture. Like because, that's a life cycle. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's how. That's how they and they recycle. Like they become, they almost like re, they almost believe in like a reincarnation kind of thing. Like they come back. Like their soul comes back. So like, they're not really dead. And it's like cultures, like 18 you become an adult, yeah, 21 yeah. you can drink. It's like it's like cultural cycles that everyone joins on regardless. I mean, not everyone, but most people do. But this is such a strong cult that everyone would join on it, which would make sense. But, I mean, it just seemed like, it just seemed like they were, and obviously they were on summer break and they were trying to write their theses or trying to learn or just trying not to freak out. Yeah, she was just trying to cope. But, okay... Would you take this or Hereditary? No, Hereditary, 100%. I think Hereditary was a better movie. Scarier, for sure. I did not find this movie really scary, honestly, at all. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I found I found this disturbing. And I found, it was there was definitely some scary parts to it, I felt like. But, yeah, there's not really jump scares. I mean, I felt inbred kids disturb me. And uh, that was really scary, <laughs> to me at least. But um, yeah, I think I think Hereditary edges this one out barely though for me, because I felt like Hereditary had a better I don't want to say story, but I was more invested in Hereditary. I want to say like I felt like it captured grief and stuff better. But Midsummer, I felt like this was such a better movie to watch. Like it felt it was just really cool. The set design, costume design, everything about it was just absolute beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. I really liked it. Yeah, Hereditary was a very neat movie i that i liked a lot i mean it's 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 just it was such a solid horror movie yeah i agree in a sense and it 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 brought more back to like families like that's something i guess that's something that is could happen easily more easily yeah i definitely connected with i I definitely connected with uh the characters in hereditary more easily than i did with midsummer or midsummer however but well, I, go on. I would I would say I know you're hitting on that Danny was the best actor. I actually thought Josh. Josh William Jackson Harper. Yeah, yeah. I thought he was the best actor. I mean, he played his role very well. Yeah, he was like, pre- he was very I mean, well. I just want to say I think all everyone acted pretty well in this. I think Christian was the weakest, but I think he was also the weakest is because he was put up against these amazing talents like I think in other movies, if he's not having to compete with these other actors, he does well. And I don't even think he did bad. He just didn't do as well as I think as these other ones did. And I think they did a real, like I said, Danny just blew me away how like good she was in this. Like she was legitimately really good. And you know, Ari Aster, his lead roles in Hereditary, also the mother in that, she plays a great role in that, and she's really good too. And it's like he finds his lead roles 
to be very good. I mean, uh, Tony Collette is what, her, and she was really good. And that's what I'm saying. He he finds his lead roles, and they play really good in the parts he puts them in. So, what's your rating for this movie, Seth? Uh, I give it a six out of ten. All right. Well, I give it a nine out of ten. I loved it. The only I had only one little nitpick about it. I felt like some of the scenes went on a little long, but otherwise I loved it. Like this slow burn horror is honestly probably my favorite genre. It kind of reminded me of Beyond the Black Rainbow in the sense of like the feel is kind of going for. It's like slow and just kind of disturbing. And I, for some reason, that's just the genre I really enjoy, and it really hit home for me. I guess this is where I'd put it. I, I think it was a good movie, don't get me wrong, great acting. I mean, kind of cool, a pretty cool plot that I've never really seen done before. But I also haven't yeah. seen every movie. Yeah. But, I mean... If I knew, I wouldn't, don't have an urge at all to ever watch this movie, like, at all. I disagree with you. I like, mean, as soon as this comes on Blu-ray, I'm buying it. Well, I guess that was my next question. Like, if if you weren't able to rewatch it, I was wondering why you give it a 9 out of 10, but that's why I did Because I, I, I feel like there's so much left in it, like, little Easter eggs that I can find. And, like, I enjoyed myself with this movie, like, a lot. And I, I have already recommended it to people. And, I mean... It's like I said, it's polarizing. This is not a film where you're going to show people and 50% might like it and the other 50% are going to hate it. Well, it's definitely a weird movie. I mean, it's not like. It's not your f- sit down family movie. Oh, like, no, definitely not. not. Definitely not that. I mean, it's more of like you got to know what your friends like to recommend this to them, obviously. But, I mean, it, it's. It's a weird movie. I, w- I would compare it probably it is closest movie-wise to Hereditary, but, I mean, just how they do stuff, but that also comes with the directors. But, yeah. I mean, it's not really like Hereditary either. No, it, I mean, you definitely get the same kind of feel, but, yeah, you're right. It is very different. Because Hereditary focuses more on, I mean, they do kind of hit on this, but. They get on the same, I feel like they kind of hit on the same, like, family and then lost like but i think hereditary did better but hereditary was more of like demon oh that's what you're talking about you're talking about the midsummer aspect they were getting into like that cultural demon stuff yeah yeah but they really wasn't like hereditary if you don't remember hereditary this is a spoiler for hereditary just saying where the you actually saw the the little presence going yeah it was like uh looked like one of those snowflakes that was falling but in this, it was more just like you just felt like these creepy people cold, were pe- these crazy people, people were insane. Yeah, yeah, like just crazy. Yeah, yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, moving on to the second movie we saw this week, it's uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. Uh, following the events of Avengers: Endgame, Spider-Man must step up to take on new threats in the world that has changed forever. I mean, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I mean. Tom Holland is super good in this. I mean, he he really is stepping to that. I think he did well at Homecoming. I think he's a great Spider-Man. Obviously, beside Andrew Garfield, and I I get the argument that he could be the best Spider-Man from a lot of people. And I mean, um, he was just really good. The only thing I would say though is this movie worked a lot better as a comedy and a high school kind of John Hughes esque movie, way more than it was like. A Marvel movie, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, this movie is an hour and nine minutes. It's directed by John Watts, which... Hour he, and nine... Two hours and nine minutes. It's directed go. by John Watts. 
And the big films he's known for is Cop Car. And yeah, so that's really, about it. I, yeah, he's not really he, done a, a ton. But I will say, for this being like his big movie, like his movie that sets him out, he did really well. And I was very excited for this movie because Jake Gyllenhaal is in it, and I really love Jake Gyllenhaal and everything, every movie he's been in. I think he's a great actor. I mean, obviously, I've never, I haven't seen all of his movies, and I would like to see at least most of them. But he's just a great actor, and obviously, you have uh, May Parker, the hottest Aunt May there yeah, is on the face the, of the, the planet. The choice going with with like a hot Aunt May, honestly, it works. It it, it works because it it brought in. Uh, I guess we're getting to spoilers, but her and um, her and. I want to say Hopper because I'm thinking of Stranger Things, but uh, Happy, Happy Hogan, like their relationship and like Tom Holland has to like watch it from a side and is questioning. It's actually really fun and funny. Like I felt like that was like a funny part of the show. Like having her young brings in a whole new dynamic. Well, they also like got the feedback that everyone's making all these memes and jokes about her being so hot so that now everyone in turn is they're actually making the jokes in the movie. Like, they made multiple jokes about how Aunt May's hot. Yeah, it was pretty funny. And, um, yeah, this I like I said, this movie works better as a comedy for me. Because as soon as they started getting into, like... For example, I'll break it down. So, basically, after Endgame, you know, they had the blip. Five years. And they actually do, I think, a really good job of, like, showing, like, how they're coping with it. Like, they have the marching man, they disappear. And then they're playing basketball. All of a sudden, the marching man reappears and they get hit in the head. Like, they did a cool job, and, like, they all have to go. They're staying in the class they were in. And it's a really cool dynamic and everything. I think it does a good job of explaining, like, something that would be pretty hard to explain, that people were just gone for five years and now they're back. And it, it was just really good. I really liked it. And it was just – it was funny. Like, I found this movie really funny. I mean, not every joke landed, and I get that. But just the whole high school aspect now, he has to compete for Mary Jane. I mean, played by Zendaya or Zendaya. I'm gonna sound. Everyone's gonna make fun of me for this, but she plays a good Mary Jane. She's kind of like a dark nihilist, and he's just you know he's ignorant. He's just a happy-go-lucky guy. So there's some pretty funny sequences in this, and like I said, Mysterio now played by Jake Gyllenhaal. He starts off in the movie as a good guy. Like, and he can do all these powers, and he's strong. And Tom Holland, uh, Spider-Man, he just, Peter Parker, he just wants to be normal. Like, he just wants to go on this class trip over to Europe and make out with, <laughs> with Mary Jane. Like, that's his goal, right? But he keeps being called back because now Iron Man is gone, and they keep referencing him. Caleb, it's MJ, not Mary Jane, please. Okay. okay, her name's Mary Jane Watson. Right. Well, no, actually, it's MJ. So, MJ, so. so whatever. And so they sit there, and um, that's all he wants to do. And But he has to save the world, and Nick Fury needs him. But he just wants to be a kid. Like, he's happy being your neighborhood Spider-Man now. He's accepted it. You know, he's still mourning over the death of his father figure in uh, Tony Stark. You know, and so it's it's just it's a great dynamic. And um, so he's struggling with this, and then Mysterio pops up. Well, Peter Parker's given these glasses that controls, like, 
basically drones and nuclear warheads, like all these things, right? These glasses control them. And so he's given this power, but he's like, it kind of hits on, you know, great power comes great responsibility. And he's like, no, I'm too young. I don't need this. Like Mysterio, he's a good, he's a good, uh, he's a good guy. He knows what he's doing. He's mature. I'm just going to give him to him. So what he does is he gives them to Mysterio because this threat of the elementals and all these things. But come to find out, Mysterio has just been making, it's all been an illusion to everyone. And Mysterio is actually a disgruntled ex-employee. And along with a bunch of other disgruntled employees, he sits there and they make make him out to be some superhero so he can get this piece from Peter Parker. And it works. So now he's in control of everything. Now he's going to be like the biggest Avenger and all this stuff. And he's really going to use Tony Stark's stuff for good because all of them were disgruntled with the way Tony Stark treated them and their projects and everything. For me, though, that whole aspect was actually the weakest part of the movie. Because Mysterio is really cool. The way they use the illusions, especially with uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man, once Spider-Man figures this out, and they send him to like that mind world and stuff, he has to fight that stuff, even at the end and stuff, I thought it was like the most interesting part of the movie when they do all that. But they didn't really focus on it too much. And other than that, all the fights and everything just felt like your basic Marvel movie. So I, I would I would say about it that uh, starting off with uh, Tom Holland, I think he's a great actor, a great cast for Spider-Man. I think it plays the nerdy college kid well, pretty well at least. And I mean, I like him a lot. I he's I high, even he's a high schooler. Yes, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I like Jake Gyllenhaal, his acting, like I said, and I think he was a great cast for Mysterio. Now I will say. I don't know about everyone, but I did see him coming that Mysterio was going to be bad. Well, yeah, if you knew anything about the comics or played any video games, like you, you know Mysterio is obviously a villain. Like, And I'd say, not not to put against him, but it was a pretty weak aspect on him giving away the glasses. That was just dumb. Like, well, he, he's just a dumb kid. Like, he doesn't want this power. Like, he's mourning the death of Tony Stark. Like, he just doesn't feel ready. And all he wants, he just wants to be a kid. He's on this trip. He didn't want to be right now he doesn't want to be part of Avengers like he doesn't want to be that granted but that puts in the dumbest thing on the face of the planet like you're talking about Peter Parker arguably one of the smartest kids in his state if not the United States and he's he's a superhero don't get me wrong there's a lot of pressure a lot of stuff going on and he wants to be a kid like you said he just met the guy a day ago he doesn't even know the guy yeah he knows a couple things about him he knows his world blew up like he doesn't yeah, even know but, if this is true or not. But I mean, you gotta give him some credit. I mean, he's just—he's just trying to be a kid. Like he—he he doesn't want—he doesn't want this role. So yes. any anyone he could pawn it on, he's gonna give it to. That's how he feels. Yes, but he's not that dumb though. Like but they're this, playing him out to be this dumb no, no, kid. No, no, but no. and I agree. He he wants to pawn it on somebody. And he wants to put it on somebody because he doesn't want to have it because he wants to be this kid. Well, yeah, but he the, doesn't want that power. The thing is. He's still not that dumb. Like, he's not that dumb to give it to somebody that he never even knew. Like, why wouldn't he give it to Nick Fury? Nick Fury trusts Mysterio, and from the illusions, but he doesn't know they're illusions, he sees how strong Mysterio is and how righteous-willed Mysterio is and stuff. I agree. He gives it way easier than he should. And it is a dumb decision, but I don't think it takes away from the movie. Yeah, I, I would. Okay, he, he's he's going to sit there and, how, like you said, how righteous-willed he is. Yet he doesn't even know the guy. He doesn't know anything about the guy except how powerful he is. 
And if we know anything from all, we're not even talking about comics, we're talking about the MC universe, you, with a lot of power, bad things happen. And you know not to give him more power. And Spider-Man is now just handing him the key to literally blowing up the world. Yeah, but he's not thinking straight because he's pulled him away from his trip where he's going to make this big deal with MJ, give her that rose and everything. Like, he had all these plans, and that's all that's on his mind. Like, he wasn't even going to bring his suit. Like, this trip, he just wanted to get away, cope with his emotions, get busy with MJ. Like, he, that's all he wants. Granted, Spider-Man's thinking with the wrong head. Exactly. But he still is the smartest kid there is. Yeah, he, but and he's... I'm not like I'm so not just, trying to belittle this. I don't know, like, no, but just like you know, the people in high school that got the 4.0 aren't always the smartest kids. Yes, but he's. It's not like just a kid that gets the 4.0. This kid is a superhuman. I mean, yeah, he's super smart, but that's what I'm saying. Is just because and you might just be book smart doesn't necessarily mean you're street smart. But we know he's not just book smart. We know he's street smart too. A little bit, but and he, that's he why does, Tony. He does kind of play but that's it, why ignorant. Tony Stark picked him is because he's street smart, book smart, and he's a great. Well, superhero. no, he knows he's of good character. He knows he's going to make the right. Yeah, at least going to strive to make the good right decision at the that end of the day. Too. But also, Seth, you also got to understand he realizes his mistake within twenty four hours. No, MJ realizes his mistake. Well, and then put he together. picks it. Yeah, okay. Technically, she helps him out. Yeah, but. He would have never known that. And my point is, no, it's just, like, it would be different if he gave it to somebody that's been apart, like, for a little while. Yeah. He gave it to an alien. We're not even talking about, like, they're not even from this planet. They're not even from, like, around here. This guy just shows up out of nowhere, and he gives it to this so guy you're saying, after a day. you're saying you want to give it to any of the Guardians of the Galaxy? No, I would not. Oh, my goodness. I would not. Because, for one, they're not even going to be on Earth most of the time. Yeah. And for two, they're not even going to be a galaxy. But this is, like, he was saying his plant blew up, so this is, like, it's going to be his home planet. Yeah, said I'm not saying, but that's the whole point, is that he was just a lapse in judgment. Like, everyone has a lapse in judgment once in a while. Like, everyone does. Yeah, agreed. But this is pretty bad. Oh, like, of course. Yeah, this is awful. But that's, a, like, that's what sets up the whole I don't think movie. anyone has this bad of that's a lapse in judgment. Up, that's what sets up the I whole I mean, movie. you put anyone in this situation, no, and no one would have this bad of a lapse in judgment. Okay, but, okay. Now moving on, do you think? Well, I'm not done yet. Okay, I'm not done. On. So going on to Mysterio, I mean, he he's acted very well. I think he's acted. I think everyone in this movie honestly acts very well. I really like uh, Ned, Spider-Man's best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ned, the the teachers are really also funny. hilarious in this. Yeah, they are. They everyone everyone's funny, except I'm sorry. If if MJ's watching this, MJ just none of her jokes. Fell. Yeah, yeah, her nihilist. It was just, it just a lot of people like it, but I yeah I didn't really like that either. But honestly, the fun I think like the funniest joke, and I think you'll probably agree with me, is the one like nerdy teacher who like no one likes kind of thing. He's just kind of there. He talks about the blip and how his wife like acted like she disappeared just to go cheat on him for five years. The science teacher. Yeah, and that was like the funniest. Like yeah. to me, I was like dying laughing. And that is yeah, that is also super funny. Everyone oh. in this movie is funny, and that's what the aspect they were trying to go for. They were trying to go for the funny aspect because they looked at Thor Ragnarok and how much of a hit it was. Because Thor, I would say Thor Ragnarok was really the first MCU universe. Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's true, but I mean, Guardians of the Galaxy, from what I know, is they do have some humor. No, it's... The, 
I would say Guardians are easily a comedy before they're like an action movie. Oh, yeah. I would agree. Okay, so let's just say Guardians of the Galaxy because yeah. they technically yeah. were the first joke MC universe. Movie. Yeah, 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 yeah. So a comedy MC universe movie, but they saw how well those three hit the box office and did so well, and everyone loved them. And I think that's why they try. They're trying almost to push it too hard because. This movie, granted, it was hilarious. I loved it. Yeah, I, the opening really scene with Tony it. Stark, what they're playing. Yeah, that was uh, so fun. That was, that was hilarious. Was, but I and I will say they ripped that off Deadpool. They ripped that way off Deadpool. I don't know if they ripped it off, but yeah. Are it, you it, kidding me? The credit <laughs> scenes where he's like sitting <laughs> on the chair and stuff. Yeah. Okay. Like, it was. It, it was just. It was a really funny movie. And like I said, I think it works way better as a comedy and a high school drama rom com kind of thing. Wait, like. That to me was way better. And then when they like get the final CGI big battle towards the end, like automatically I was kind of disinterested. Like yeah. not well, not not I was like I was falling asleep, but I was like the comedy and stuff was really good, really good character development, everything. Like I loved it. And then when it got to the battle, you're just kind of like we're just taken back. You're like oh okay. Well, what I'd say about that is I think where you got taken back and like fell back and like were really disinterested is because Mysterio was kind of weak villain. Like really easy to beat. Like no, not, but I disagree because not a good villain. Like yeah, he oh, cool. No, no, Don't get me I wrong. Disagree. Cool, very cool villain. How they broke down the projectors and all that. Yeah. And how they used them all. But he was so weak. Well, yeah, he's just a common man. But that's the thing. Like he basically beat Spider Man. Let's be real. He threw him into a train, and he does all those illusions, tricks him into telling about who knows he's. Everything like he tricks him into telling him information that he doesn't know about and all this stuff. And it's actually like really cool, like that whole aspect of like that kind of like illusion state that he keeps putting Spider-Man in, and then Spider-Man in the end has to rely on his Spidey senses. I think it's really it was a really cool sequence. Like I that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie is when they do that. Okay, as smart of a guy as Mysterio is, he left so many loose ends open, and that's why he lost the battle, and that's why I think he's a weak villain. And yeah. Superpowers? You don't need superpowers to be a good villain. I mean, you can look at multiple people, like the Joker, even yeah, Batman, yeah, but, but he's a hero. This, this is also the thing, though. The MCU is super weak on villains. Like, I think the Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming and Mysterio are, like, two of the best they've had. Uh, Thanos? Yeah, I know. Thanos is great. Probably the best. But Thanos that's what... is henchman? <laughs> super weak. That's my no, point. Well, is they like, were really strong. They just played them wrong. But that's another case. But, that, but that's what I'm saying is like, you gotta look and actually think the MCU has super weak villains usually. Well, yeah, I'll give you. I mean, they kill it on heroes. They really do cast really well. I mean, except for Captain America. The only reason <laughs> they have him in there is because he looks good. Yeah, I just, I just think though, like the only the problems I had with this is that they have the generic fight with Mysterio that just fe- feels like every other MCU movie and then they had the score the same score and I'm kind of, I'm just gonna be like they ha- I'm getting tired of MCU movies I think everyone I I won't say that there's so many people that would watch them every day but it's just they're very they're all very similar and it was this like the 20 something one and like I enjoyed it I enjoyed it a lot but just feels like they they have to hit the same beats so it's all part of the same thing and it's just getting to that point where I'm like Okay, I've been watching these for now over ten plus years. I I want a little something different, you know. I I'm starting to get tired of them. Well, they definitely sit here and put out the best superhero movies. I mean, for modern days, like they are just 
so visually appealing, funny now. I mean, even though they try going a little bit overboard, but they're just hilarious. But like you said, honestly, their key to what they're missing is a good villain. They suck at getting a good villain. Like, for instance, they had, it was very interesting, like you said, when they he first fooled Spider-Man, Mysterio first fooled yeah. him in the building. That was really good. Or yeah. when, and even in the beginning of the movie, like when he fooled everyone. Yeah, but I'm talking about when he was doing the illusions. Like, yeah, that the was great. Yeah. But the last battle scene was just so dumb. Like, it was it was set up for a disaster. Like, I agree. It wasn't very well thought out. But I mean, it had to be that way because it, Spider-Man has to win. Not necessarily, though. They could have shocked the world and done, like, like so obviously they're going to go for another movie, as we saw in the end credit scenes, how they did. Yeah. Oh, how the he edited it where Spider Man was supposed to be the bad guy sending the yep. launch strike. Yeah, which is actually pretty smart. I thought I actually like it was, it was cool. Cool, but what if they did this instead? They took Spider Man, and they actually had Spider Man losing, where Mysterio actually ends up defeating Spider Man, not killing him, but de- defeating him, and basically almost taking. Not it doesn't even have to be world power. Just everyone thinks he's like good. send him into shame, kind of. Or. You know what I'm saying. Like, yeah. you take it. Yeah, yeah, I get what, I, I totally get what you're saying. Win. I totally get what you're saying. If they would have done something like that, and like you said, it's very repetitive. All of them are repetitive. But if they would have done that, would that have intrigued you watching the MCU even more? Um, No. No, because at this at this point, I feel like, okay, even if they do that, just like, an, if, just like the problem I had with Infinity War, you know it's basically only there till the like as soon as the next movie starts everything's gonna be realigned like you know that these aren't serious consequences to this and that's how i felt with infinity war i know a lot of people disagree with me but that's the problem i had with infinity war you watch all these superheroes die and you know they're all just coming back Uh, i think the big thing is is that they just this is just an installment to the next movie and they just feel like this is like every basic every basic mcu movie just has the one villain. The one villain gets defeated. They go to the next movie. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I think that would be cool. Also, though, hitting on the ending when he tells everyone that Peter Parker, Spider-Man, the bring the bringing back of J.K. Simmons to play <laughs> to play like an Alex Jones esque J. Jonah Jameson was awesome. Because honestly, I was sitting there, I was sitting there, and I'd be like, you know what? This was a great Spider-Man movie. The only thing I missed. The only thing I missed was. We need more photos of Spider-Man. And that's the only thing I missed. I was like, man, I wish they would add this. This would have made it like a super good movie. And then guess who comes on screen? J. Jonah Jameson played by J.K. Simmons, which is awesome because I don't think there's anyone else who could play him as well. Well, he's the perfect actor. Oh, he's a perfect actor for him. He's seriously like perfect. That's why I like, I'm not mad that they don't change him from every universe. Cause I'm like, he's the most perfect actor for this role. Like, don't change it. And it was hilarious, and it was great. And, um, I mean, well, well, what did you rate this movie? I actually liked it a lot. I gave it an uh, 8 out of 10. I thought it was hilarious. It, it's honestly one of my best-rated MCU Universe movies. I mean, I probably would have put it in 9 out of 10, but I just wish they would have done like I was talking about. I think that would have been a great change for the MCU Universe and... I think it would have drew in some people. Yeah, I, I gave it actually a 7. I really liked the comedy and everything, but at the end of the day, it just felt too familiar. Comedy is not everything, right? 
No, it just felt too familiar. Like I said, the score and everything and the big CGI battle at the end, like it all felt just like the same old, same old. Now, I was like, I still enjoyed it. I still thought it was a lot of fun. If I, I will probably watch it again. But I actually, okay, do you like Homecoming or Far From Home better? Um, I would say Far From Home was way funnier, for sure. Like, not even close. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Definitely, all. yeah, it was a lot funnier. But, I mean, they both have terrible villains, let's be honest. No! No, Vulture's a great villain. No, that was pretty weak, honestly. No, Vulture, he's just a common guy, and he's just trying to make money. Like, okay, he, yeah. He great motivation. Good, he has a good setup. Yeah. That was... Mysterio has an like, awful... I think Mysterio has an awful setup. Okay, I think Mysterio is definitely worse than Vulture. Don't get me wrong. I think... Okay, I think legitimately Vulture is a top three villain of the MCU. A top three? Top three. Because he's so he has good motivation. Wait, wait, are you serious? Do you not recall Iron Man two? <laughs> Electro the whip guy. That I don't even know his name. Oh gosh, I've ever seen no, he has, he has great motivation, and he's like, he's not overly the top. Like, oh, I'm evil. Like, I gotta do these evil things because I'm evil. Like, he's just legitimately just trying to like make it by. Like, and he was screwed over. And, like, I think it's very compelling. And I really like his backstory and everything. And plus, it's played by Michael Keaton. Who is just I love, so I, I I super enjoyed Vulture and I'm I'm taking Homecoming over Far From Home, but I really I really enjoyed them both. I mean I'd agree with you. It definitely uh, Homecoming is just a I think it was a better movie. But uh, moving on, we have our final thing that we watched, which was Stranger Things. Yep, season three. Definitely longer than a movie, that's for sure. Yeah, this was actually a struggle for us to finish it because it's just the way our schedules worked trying to watch it together and just finish out eight episodes an hour apiece just felt like it took us forever. Yeah, it, it uh it definitely uh definitely is long. I mean they they I feel like they're repeating, honestly, in Stranger well, Things. Well br- break it down a little bit for me. I mean it basically I'll break it down. Stranger Thi- Things season three, they're all there again, you know, the gang's back. They're coming um Dustin's coming back from summer camp. Like Eleven and Will are like Boyfriend, girlfriend, they're making out all the time. Hopper's insecure about it. Hopper Hopper has a love interest with uh, Joyce, Winona Ryder. And, and it's, just, it's actually just really, I think they do really well in this, you know. Jonathan comes back, you know, and he's still dating Nancy. And, I mean, it's it, it feels kind of the same. But, I mean, it does variation in it. I mean, basically what happens is that they're sitting there and then they find the Mind Flayer never actually totally left. And the Russians have been meddling, opening up the portal to the upside-down world this whole time. And they open it. They actually have it opened. So what happens is now the Mind Flayer can take control and he starts wreaking havoc. And it was, it just, I mean, I liked it a lot. Like, I actually like season three better than season two. Because the whole time, getting into spoilers now, you know, Netflix puts so much money into these and they actually netflix puts a lot of money into a lot of movies and tv shows which i can really appreciate they're trying to get that whole of the market but they just dump money you can tell by the production value and also i want to hit on why also midsummer we're talking about that too the editing in this the transitions were awesome they're really good they really caught my eye i was like wow this is really well done edited edited really well and uh that's just one of the things i saw about it i mean like I said, Millie Bobby Brown's in it, and at first I really didn't care for, oh, that's 11, and I didn't really care for how she was being portrayed at first, but actually it was really good, you know, she 
becomes now friends with Max because her and Will have to break up. And she is really well in it. But to break down the plot a little bit more, basically what happens is the Mind Flayer comes back. He starts taking over. He takes over Billy first. Billy is Max's older brother. He slowly keeps bringing people in until like a third of the town becomes controlled, basically like zombies. Why this whole time the mayor's corrupt and Hopper has to figure it out. And Hopper's trying to figure this out while Dustin is what this comes back from camp and he has a, this imaginary girlfriend named Susie. No one believes him, so he kind of gets butthurt about it. And he starts hanging out with uh, Steve again because in season two they built that relationship. And Steve is now working at an ice cream shop. And it, it kind of, it's actually, there's a lot to this, but basically it focuses on three different stories. I felt like you have Dustin, Steve, and Robin, who are all like the ice cream place, and Erica's in it too. They have they're they're more following the Russian plot line. Like the Russians are infiltrating their town through the mall, underneath the mall. So they're a whole doing it. And then you got Hopper and Joyce, who basically want to keep their kids safe, and they're also focused kind of on the Russian plot line. While the upside down world and the mind flayers being more focused on. 11 with Mike, Lucas, and Will. They're all sitting there, and they're all more focusing on that. Now, I found Mike to be a lot more annoying this season, but he redeems himself in the end. But at first, I was like, okay, he's kind of playing the character from it, kind of the douchebag guy. It felt like he's playing more heavily, but he, I think he redeems himself good in it. Well, I I will say to start out, uh, I I mean, I did like this, just just going to say before anything, but I'd say a big part. A huge part of why I like this, and Kip, I think you'll agree with me on this, is it connected well. Like, it connected well. Like, everyone, anyone could sit down and watch this and see, like, a part of themselves in it. Like, they have relationships going on in it, and you see, like, how relationships crumble, all the arguing. It just looks so natural. It looks so real. Like, you know when you just get pissed off at somebody for something? I mean, I think it comes down to be the great actors and actresses that's this. what that's what i mean i mean it's just it's really well put together even the comedic relief is real funny i mean mike like you said is annoying but i saw his purpose like i saw what he was doing and how he was like a young kid yeah that's, that's in love which which made sense like so i wasn't really pissed at him at yeah, yeah. well that, that's what i'm saying it's like as it progressed like at first i was like okay mike is really annoying and stuff like i don't know why he's more annoying than usual but as it progressed, like, you kind of understood his motivations and stuff. And he actually became, like, I really enjoyed him by the end. But, like, for, but really, in the f- first four episodes, nothing really happens. It's But that's, but listen, I think that's what attests to it being, like, a great show. Is like, I didn't need the Mind Flayer going crazy for eight episodes. Like, the characters are good, and I enjoy them. And obviously, no, it gets better. I agree. It gets better when the mind flare actually play, starts playing a major role, but I think like they the relate they really do a good job of drawing out the characters. Like what I like is uh, Eleven, she uses her powers for like everyday things, like just to close doors, to prank Dustin when he comes home by controlling the things. Like this a thing that kids would do. Like if I had the powers at the age of whatever she's supposed to be, I think like fourteen or something like that. That's what I'd be doing too. Oh yeah, it was very like I mean everyone like not played off of each other but you felt like what they were doing you knew what they were doing like you said it was just great acting so you knew how everyone should act and how everyone should be and i would say i mean amazing acting all around to 
everyone. Yeah, they I were, mean, and like it just yeah, like, you could it was just I think everything was done real well. Like they make fun of Dustin because he has like a fake girlfriend at camp. Like she's super good looking, it's super smart, but she lives in a morbid community down in Salt Lake City or whatever or well, Utah. It's also the classic: the first girlfriend you have, you think's the hottest girl on the face of the planet, <laughs> but then like a couple of years after you look at it, you're like, well, this girl wasn't that hot. But that's why Dustin thinks this girl is just hands down the hottest girl on the face of the planet and then she's really smart like yeah and like i said like before us hitting on is uh uh joyce and hopper like their relationship they're dying they work really like their whole plot together i wouldn't think i would enjoy it as much because i really like the kids aspect like i love the goonies of sandlot i love when kids get together and stuff but their whole aspect when they're going around the town and stuff and they're kind of like they're in love with each other but they don't want to admit it kind of thing is really good. Like I their chemistry in this is crazy good. And it was really fun to watch them together like the whole show just going back and forth and being kind of like buddy cop almost. And uh I just I I actually really enjoyed this season. I don't know how long it will go on for, but I have really enjoyed it. I mean, I I don't think they can do really too much more. Obviously, you always can do more when money comes in, you know? Like, everything... Yeah. Money's a big factor. Well, just a minute. Let's let's not hit on... Because I want to hit on this later. Like, what else did you like about the show? Well, what I was actually going to go into a little bit... Okay, go on, go on. ...is, like, I would like to do who's your favorite character and why. Okay, that's good. Go ahead. And I think I will surprise everyone with this. I know mine. And I I know Caleb's going to have a different one than me. My favorite character was Steve Harrington... Okay, but yeah, I will give right I'll right. give an explanation why. <laughs> First season, you hated this guy. He was the douchebag. Yeah, douchebag boyfriend. Yeah. You didn't like him at all. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. He wasn't a douchebag like Billy. Billy's the ultimate. Yeah, douchebag. but Billy rocks that mustache. Yeah. Thank you, Billy. No. He's bringing back that mustache no, for all of us. Billy's men a douchebag. But anyway, <laughs> but he gets all the moms. Steve, that's true. I mean, that's what you're going for. I'm not gonna knock you. But Steve Harrington, in the second season, goes from there. And totally redeems himself. Yeah, he goes from, seriously, hero to zero, back to hero. Now, the only part that I will say I don't like about him is he really doesn't have any friends besides kids that are, like, besides Dustin. years old. Yeah, Dustin, really. Like, yeah. Okay. But I would say he has such a great connection with Dustin that it makes it so cool. And he's, like, he's almost like, now, don't get me wrong, he's almost like the dumb father of the group. He kind of looks out for yeah, all yeah, the kids. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And that's a lot in the second season. In the third season, it's not as much. But he's just, he really is, I mean, I would argue he holds, at least for, the, especially the second season, which I know we're not talking about, but he holds the group together. He's the, yeah, he is I, almost the rock I of like, the group. I like Steve. I just, he's definitely not my favorite. My favorite, now we're talking all time or just season three? Mainly season three, but yeah, all okay. time. It is all time. My right? favorite is Murray Bowman. Murray Bowman. He's the guy who is like the conspiracy theorist that they go to the Russian translator. Oh, I, I love that guy. I love him because he's also from the other guys, which is one of our favorite movies, you know, Christina. But I always feel like I'm like, I'm always like two steps away from becoming Murray Bowman. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, I don't really trust the government, all these things. Like, I'm two steps away from getting like my own fortress in the middle of India or Illinois and like learning Russian to fend myself off. Like, he's just such a funny character. And he's so funny. He brings this dynamic and he like, he calls out the sexual tension between uh, oh, yeah. Joyce and Hopper. No, no. And he's so funny. I love him in this. Also, the Russian. 
they play. What's, Alexi. what's the Russian's name? Alexi. Is it Alexi? Yeah, yeah, Alexi. They play perfect off of each other. Them two. Yeah, their that's dynamic what I'm saying. Of him and the Russian. Yeah. They're so funny. Or when they're sitting down interrogating each other. Yeah, like, yeah. Or like, okay, when they're in the car, like you said, when he calls out that yeah. they're having sex together, and the Russian's like, hey, what's going on? And he's like, they haven't had sex together yet. And he's like, they haven't had sex together. Yeah, he starts it, laughing because he thought they were a couple. Yeah, it's agree. like yeah. it's like the classic couple going off like we originally talked about. Yep, they they act like a classic couple. They argue all the time. Yeah, and they, they make up. Yeah, they don't want to admit their feelings to each other. And, you know, the one the one thing at first I'll say I really was kind of annoyed by the Russian aspect. I found it like this super. At first I was like, this is this like cheesy. Like, it's not that well thought out. But then, you know, I started thinking about, you know, doing the most patriotic list. A lot of those movies were placed in the 80s. And you know who always was the villain in the 80s? It's the Russians, right? And and it's also, like, this cool thing because, like, one of the Russians is, like, Diet Arnold Schwarzenegger Terminator. It's, like, off-brand. All these Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. And it was, like, at first I was, like, it threw me off of them, like, I kind of dig this. Like, it's the whole thing is, like, based on nostalgia in a sense. But I think it goes above and beyond because... I think the show could have easily been, like, listen, people are going to watch this because it's nostalgic. I mean, they bring new Coke. Like, we could have easily, they could have easily just been lazy and made season three and season two just banking off nostalgia. Like, a bunch of, eight, like, Back to the Future shown in this. But they have good nostalgia that, yeah, I love. But they also have a good storyline. Like, it's oh, yeah. worthy. Great it's worth. Line. It's worthy of another season, season three. And I, I really enjoyed it a lot, you know? Now, I would say, I mean, they could have ended on season two easily. They could have ended at season one, right? Oh, yeah. But, I mean, I would say, now, there's a couple things I didn't like. Okay. Just moving you, into you, things yeah, that go I ahead. don't like. Go ahead. And starting with number one is, obviously, I disagree with you from what I, yeah, I just heard. I did not like the Aldi's Arnold Schwarzenegger. No, but that's what the whole thing, the whole, okay, who's, like, the biggest star of the 80s? Like I action, granted. who's the biggest action movie star of the eighties? It's but Arnold Schwarzenegger. It just looked cheesy. It seemed no, cheesy okay. and very. But they like, play. But listen, not funny. At no, no. All. Okay, I get it. I get it. He could be taken either way. But the same reason me and you both love Crank is because it owns it. Oh, granted, but that's not really what this movie it was. Did. Though it did because I felt okay. I, I can get you. I can see where you disagree, but I felt like they owned it. Like they're like, dude, listen, we're making an eighties action where the Russians come. So, if we put, like, a Terminator-esque character in this, bro, this brings it to crank level, you know? I would disagree. If they're trying to own it, everything would be just crazy. Like, that's how crank is, that's why we like crank. But the whole Russian sequence is that crazy. But not really. Oh, come on. They're building, like, an underground super weapon underneath a mall. Like, Like, it is. It really is. Like, almost comical. It's cheesy, but it's good cheesy. If you're trying to go for the crank aspect, everything in the movie is cheesy. Everything. I mean, we're not talking about... There's no good plot. I'm I'm talking... But but almost... It almost feels, though... But listen. It almost feels like the Russian and the Mind Flayer are two separate storylines. I mean, they do... They do... They are together in the sense they both... One happens because of the other, right? I get that. But if you look at it, the way the characters are played, they never really intersect until the last episode. And even then, they don't intersect a ton. And the other thing I'd hit on that I didn't really like is about when the mind slayer, Fl- player, he, he takes over him, right? He takes over these yeah, people, Yeah, it's right? like zombies. Basically, kinda. it's like it's a bit like Alien. He basically puts his seed in them or whatever. Oh, I don't gosh. know, a little, little baby in them. Yeah. Just, and like, he takes over Oh, yeah. Like that's what I think of because like, it puts it over their sure, mouth, sure, right? Sure. Yeah. That's what I think of. But 
the thing that did not make any sense, and they kind of redeemed themselves a little bit on this, is they're eating all these super poisonous things, right? Fertilizer, yeah, yeah, supplies, yeah. yeah. Things that you would die. Like, you would die, like, maybe, maybe you have a day. Maybe. But they, okay, go on, But this is what I'd say. They redeemed themselves on two aspects. One of them being, you see the black going through their veins. Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. And the second one being they turn into those blobs. That's what I was going to say. The body they, breaks down. That's what I was going to say. They all basically die. But the problem I had with that is that would make perfect sense. That would actually go great with the movie. Like, it'd be like, wow, that actually, like, is pretty cool. Yeah. It makes sense. But it was on command when they turn into those, the, the blob or whatever it is. It would make more sense if he took them over and they had, like, three days. And then they would turn into that. Like, because the chemicals are actually breaking them down, yeah, and destroying them. That would that would make more sense, also, in a sense. And they did that with the rats, though. Yeah, that's why I didn't understand why it happened with the humans differently. Because the rats, if you saw in the beginning, they were breaking down. But they're maybe easier to control, and they're smaller. I mean, granted, yeah, yeah, granted. you can you can nitpick. I this. mean, that, yeah, that's yeah, that's, that's just what one of my nitpicks would be. Also, I was gonna say though, they actually did a, I think it was episode seven. They do a actually a really good job at horror. Like in the hospital, with oh the yeah, lights and all. Oh yeah, that was that was like really I, good. I know it's a horror show, but you almost kind of like forget that's a like, horror movie. This ain't TV fourteen. Oh yeah, this thing no is way. like TV fourteen. F word. And <laughs> like not, not, even, like, not even that. There's show like the things they show. I was like, like this is pretty gruesome. They smashed for a TV the guy's 14. face. I know that's what I'm saying. Like how's that TV fourteen? Also yeah, and also I like like back to bringing back to Alexi. Alexi gets shot by the Diet Terminator, <laughs> and. Dude, Alexi. you actually felt like bad, like, and I was like, "Dude, oh, you did." I love Alexi. Well, because it was like Alexi, Alexi was changing. Yeah, it was like still Alexi is like still e- evil communist. But in Alexi's <laughs> defense, he was almost like most. I feel like Soviets they portray in that day. He was thrown into the well, role. He was forced. He didn't really he get forced. A ch- yeah, he really didn't get a chance. Well, yeah, it was that, or he dies. I he mean, has to so get work it. That's my dies. point. So that's why you kind of feel for Alexi. You don't like totally hate him like you would hate the Terminator guy or like the mayor. <laughs> yes, you hate the mayor. The mayor is the biggest douchebag. Yeah, I, I mean, I really enjoyed this season. Now, now we can. This is what I was gonna say. Do you think how much longer do you think this can go? I mean, they can go forever if there's money going. Okay, no. It. How much longer do you think they can go before it's too stale? I think maybe, maybe one more season. But another nitpick I would okay, say go on. is Jim Hopper dying. Okay, well, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. This minute. This minute. We'll get into that. Okay, but before you say it is, I will say, is I saw that coming almost from well, the yeah, this we'll, we'll talk about Jim Hopper. Uh, what I was saying, though, is that it basically, like, the whole thing, it's the same plot over and over again, basically. Like, the upside-down world breaks into the world... They have to defeat it using Eleven's powers, which is fine, right? But it's easily going to get stale. Like, I don't know. I, I see it one more season. I think you're right. And then I'm like, then I'm done with it. Like, well, I, I think it was kind of stale, honestly, after the second season. Like, well, the, se- with the I Mind think- Slayer. With the Mind Slayer. Flair. Like, Flair. It's Flair. Like, I think the aspect was really cool, neat, something no one's really done before. But then they kind of overdid it. Like, third season, yeah, it was great because of all the acting, kind of how they set it all up. Yeah. But the same concept was kind of stale to me. Well, I that, didn't like well it. that's what I think. That's why I think they realized. They realized we don't have a great concept here. We don't have know where the story goes. So if we can develop these characters enough, people can look past this. Oh, 
if we're talking about nitpicks, I know you have a nitpick about this, and I do too. Robin is working with Jonathan, right? Oh, this is a good nitpick. They're working together at the ice cream shop, right? She tells him that she basically liked him in high school, like all these things, and he never paid attention to her. And let's just say, like, it's one of those scenes where you know what she's trying to say. Like, it's not, like, questionable. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It wasn't, it wasn't like, hidden message. She, you be, you totally get this vibe that they like each other, right? And they're, like, doing things. They're laughing at each other, playing off each other. And to top it off, you're cheering for this thing the whole season. Oh, you're yeah. not cheering for it, like, oh, it just hits me. I'm cheering for it. No, you're cheering for it every single because, episode. Because they're so good together. And, like, they played off, like... He's finally because he broke up with Nancy, right? And you actually like you actually like him now because he's not the douchebag from season one, right? He yeah. had the reductive oh, yeah. arc in season two, so you want him to be happy. So you're like Robin, perfect girl, and then they're just like, no, she's a lesbian, and it was just like it was dumb because it you just felt cheated. Well, here's the thing: if they're trying to go for something like that, they'd be perfectly fine. But the thing is, they weren't going for that. They were yeah. just trying to do this stupid plot twist. Which no one wanted. Let's it, be honest. It, felt, it just felt forced. Like, it's fine. Like I said, yeah. If she was in it the whole time and you knew it, and they didn't build it up like they were a relationship. Like, they were, like, good for each other. They were compatible. And then, the, yeah, like, I, she sits there and she says, like, literally, basically, like, there's no other way to interpret this. That she's basically sit behind him and was in love with him. And she's like, no, actually, I was mad at you. That's why I stare at you all the time. Let's, let's also say, who stares at somebody because they're mad at them? And two... If she was doing that to, like, another girl, it'd be a little bit different. I wouldn't be as pissed off. But since she was doing that to him, and then she's like, oh, yeah, I'm a lesbian, all that. It was I all this because of nothing. And I was just like, I was like, it was like one of those moments where you're so heartbroken. You're cheering for the guy. I know, you are. The you whole really time. Are. The guy gets the crap beaten out of him by the Russians, right? Yeah. And she's, like, kind of nervous for him or whatever. They have some comedic relief. And then he finally grows the balls that uh, Dustin has been telling him to do the entire time. And yeah. he slides under that stall, and he just, you know, he shoots his shot. Oh, great. He shoots a great shot, too. Like, he uses, like, kind of uses her as, like, a third person. And, like, oh, yeah, dude. He, it, like, it, it was, was perfect. It, it was, was honestly great. perfect. And if they would have played that off. That would have been honestly made it like so good, dude. That's what I'm saying. Like, I literally feel like all TV shows nowadays are just trying to subvert expectations. Like, that's their only goal. Like, I think the main culprit of this is The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead just killed people. Like, this killed everyone off. And like, we do it because we can do it. We'll just kill anyone off. And that's how I felt. Like, it's this cancerous thing where they're like. We're just here to shock you well, by throwing if, this at you. If they, it's not even written in. That's what I'm saying. It's dumb. If they do it, but they have a plan behind it, that's and what they know what they're going to do, it's not a bad idea. But with something they push so hard, and that's the only reason I'm having a, problem a with it. fit about this, is because they push it so hard. So then you sit there and, like, let's be real. At first, like the first couple episodes, I didn't know if I liked her that much. Agreed, agreed. But they kept pushing her. And then you're like... Uh, yeah, she's pretty good. And then towards the end, you're like, I actually really like this girl, and I want her to be with him. Yeah. And then you, then you just get they get this dumb shock. Like, get, well, that's what I'm saying. They, they did it on purpose. They set her up, and they make you fall in love with her and their relationship, Jonathan and her relationship. And then they're just like, now nah, they're just can only be friends now. 
And it was like, I don't know why. It was just dumb. Like, I felt like it was dumb. Like, I disliked it. And it was just cheesy. Also, well, though, they could have just done it better. Honestly, they could have done it better. I know. This, I don't know why they set up something just to fail, you know. But Dustin and his girlfriend, when they actually reveal Susie's a real person, and he has to sing to her. That was the greatest Oh, moment. it was so funny. This whole season was super funny. I, I laughed really hard, actually, some parts of it. But I, the best part is with the singing is they tried making it, like, epic. So, like, he kind of got into the song. Yeah. And then they clipped to the last scene where they're making fun of him. Yeah, they're singing the song at him to yeah. make fun of him. Yeah, it was really good. Um, Back to my original point, though, we were talking about is that I don't see how this goes on that much longer. I mean, unless they oh, change the concept. No, no. Let's let's break down Jim Hopper. Is Jim Hopper dead? No, he's not going to be dead. Yeah. I mean, I it would only make sense if he was dead. Like, there's no there's nothing I can logically sit there and think where he wouldn't have died. And I know what you're going to say, but that still doesn't make sense. Yeah, I'll but throw my theory in. I, I'll say it after you say yours. So there's no way he really could have survived that situation, any possible aspect, but they're going to have him survive. Okay, if, yeah, okay. The, like, number one rule with any show is if they didn't show him die, they're not dead. And that's, like, one thing that I learned... I mean, you can watch any show pretty much. The one thing I learned is The uh, Walking Dead, spoiler alert, when Glenn gets trapped by a thousand zombies underneath, and he somehow, he, underneath the, he's on top of the garbage, and he yeah. gets trapped, and then, like, they don't show him die, and then you, like, get away to the next season. You're all sitting, I'm sitting there and watching that. I'm like, there's no way he makes it out, but they didn't show him die, so therefore he's not dead. And that's what I learned. Jim Hopper, they didn't show him die. So he's still alive. And also they hint at it when they go to that prison and there's still the Demogorgon. When they go to the Russian prison. And they're like, no, not the American today. But I don't think that's going to be, that's not going to be Hopper. I, I mean, I still stand there and I will say, I think somebody should have died. Like, there's no logical way they could have done all this and somebody not died. Well, this is, but this is the whole thing. This is how they open up season four. Oh, Because Hopper, because sure. my theory is, Hopper had two choices. He was gonna. He he's either gonna be blown up by the reactor or whatever, the opener of the world, or he jumped into the upside down world. But the thing I will say that doesn't make sense about him jumping to the upside down. That's his only the chance. reactor was still shooting at the upside down. So if he would have jumped, but in, if he would have caught it when it exploded. I, yeah, well, yeah, of course, could have caught Seth, it like perfectly, and it wouldn't Seth, make we're, sense. We're nitpicking something that doesn't make sense anyway. And if he's alive, the other reason I didn't like Hopper dying, like. I would have been fine with Joyce dying. I no. Yes. I would have been fine with the other person dying. Oh, this is my nitpick. No, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> okay. The problem I have with Hopper dying is it felt like they were just doing the same thing in season two with her her other boyfriend. What's his name? Uh, Bob. Yeah. Dying. It literally felt the same thing. She got so close, builds up this great relationship with him, and then he dies. Well, that's why that's... but that's Saving him. But and it, that's why I think it's dumb. But it's all set up. Because he dies, so now she's really heartbroken and has nothing left to live for in this town anymore. So that's why she moves away at the end. But this is my nitpick. When the Aldi's Terminator is holding down Hopper's head, right? And she has to turn the key, so she, like she attaches her belt to one key and has to turn the other key, right? She's sitting there doing that. She has so much time, she could have easily picked up the AK-47 on the ground, shot the Russian, he could have ran back, 
and turn the key. Because, like, at first I was like, oh, there's no time. It's going to explode. Like, he doesn't have time. She has to turn the key. It took her at least, at least 30 seconds. You're telling me in 30 seconds she couldn't have picked up the AK, shot him. He ran back. They turned the key. Garbage. But, listen, Hopper is in the upside-down world, and that's how they set it out. They're going to have to go save him. But also... Screw that, because they freaking still left Barb from season one That's what I was gonna say. in there. And Hopper, they're like, oh, we have to save Hopper. What about Barb? Barb gets no love. Barb matters, you know. Barb, Just she's a ginger. Hashtag Barb doesn't matters. have a soul. Doesn't hey, mean she doesn't matter. Amen. Screw that. All right, but the other nitpick, I will say that I just forgot until now, is this is honestly so dumb. And they try making it so serious that it makes me laugh so hard. Is... When Billy, for God knows what reason, is sitting chilling in his car for a half a day, rubbing his engine, r- rubbing his engine. Oh yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. rubbing it for like probably like let's say an hour, like because they leave while he's rubbing. Oh it. yeah, it's a good. They good have to flip this car, you know. Yeah. And then they get back out, and he's still rubbing his engine. Yeah, and you're just like, makes sense. you're just like, what? And by the way, this car is totaled when he got in that accident, so I don't understand how it's still moving. No, but. I don't to add to it, he's probably easily 100 yards away. Yeah. Easily, like a football field. Yeah. And Nancy pulls out this gun. They make no allude to her ever touching a gun in her life. Yeah, they don't allude to And it just has, and we're not even talking about, like, this is, like, a scope she has on oh, it. Oh, yeah, so iron like sights. You get more, iron sights. You get more accuracy. And not even iron sights. This is, like, a uh, pistol. And it's like a Glock. Yeah. So you're not, you don't have good aim. Like, let's say 100 yards. If you're hitting something, and she's hitting within inches of his windshield of his face. Oh, yeah, I agree. And I'm how like, do you, how do you do that? Like, is she's no Navy SEAL out here. <laughs> she, she's no Delta Force. I mean, I would like to know anyone that can shoot 100 yards honestly, with a pistol. Honestly, it should, a Glock. Have, it should have looked like Dumb and Dumber. When he, at the end, when he pulls out and shoots, like, 12 shots all around her head. Like, that's how it should have been. And, like, there's no way she should probably even well, hit granted, the car. It was that. But she's 100 yards no, away. No, because she was still hitting within inches. That's what I'm saying. Well, dumb dumber, he hits within inches. It's yeah, just but he's also two head. feet away. That's my point. But my point is, it was like, what the heck is this scene in there for? She, there's no way you'd hit that shot. Like, let's say. I know. Let's say I've been shooting a gun it was just for my bu- whole it was, life. It was just to build up tension so that Jonathan could come in with the convertible. What person in their right mind would sit there and pull it out 100 yards away and shoot? Like, you don't think you'd give it time? Or when did they get this gun? Shouldn't have they have used it in other situations? <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Now that we're talking about nitpicks, the other nitpick I have. We've been talking about nitpicks. I know, I know. But this, is, this came back to me because we talked about guns. Is with the mind flayer when it's on top of the cat uh, Hopper's house. You know it's attacking them, and they hit with the axe, and the axe actually does like a lot of damage and it hurts the thing. She pulls out a twelve gauge shotgun and shoots it like directly, zero damage. Now listen, if you're that close, you're gonna do way more damage. Like you're gonna cut a bigger hole with your twelve gauge. You're literally gonna- then you're, then then the axe would cut. Like that's insane. But the twelve gauge is like. The Mind Flayer is basically like eating the bullets. Like, it doesn't even care, but the axe is really what gets it. It's like this kind of dumb. You would literally put a noticeable hole in something with a 12-gauge from the range she was at. She was literally, like, in face range, like, maybe maybe a yard. 
Uh, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. She would, and she and was at hitting the, it. And at the farthest, at the farthest, she's like ten to fifteen yards away, and, and it's still gonna blast through it. Oh yeah, and how does it affect it more when she shoots it at the face when it's like ten yards away? I know, and it, it's gonna spread out more than when she's shooting it directly in the arm, and it doesn't make a dent. Like, yeah, yeah, I, 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 but okay. If you had to give a number rating to only season three, what would you give it? No, I mean I think it would be better if we just did rate the seasons. Okay, okay. How about we just do all of it together? Oh, all so of far. it together. So far, I mean it was good. It wasn't. It wasn't great. I mean I would give it an eight out of ten. I agree. That's why I gave it eight. Season two really. It, I think it'd be without season two if it was changed. I think it would be a nine. I really enjoyed this series. And I'm I'm not gonna say I'm like super excited for four, but I'll definitely watch season four. Oh, and I would say the reason this isn't a great, it's a it's a good series, or I should say amazing, is they they really lack out on. So they wait till season four to put anything good in it. Granted, but they do something, or they don't episode do, four. You mean? Yeah, yeah. They don't do something that great TV shows do. Like for instance, Lost. Now Lost. Granted? Debatable if it's the greatest TV okay. show. But... Okay, first three seasons. Great. Great. I right? agree. I agree. Okay, amazing. Right? First three seasons. And then after every one of those episodes, the last, like, and this pisses me off about TV shows, the last, like, five minutes, they put something in it which intrigues you so much. Cliffhanger. Th- that you want. Yeah, the cliffhanger is just so big. It's like jumping off a cliff. Yep. That you want, you need, you need to watch the next episode. It's the J.J. Abrams specialty. And I would say Stranger Things does not do the best job of that till the later episodes. Like, the yeah. first couple, it really, like, I mean, it was good character development, but it really didn't intrigue me to watch the next one. I just wanted to see it because yeah. I had to for the people. Yeah, I don't make it seem like it's such a drag. <laughs> but, uh, okay, so that, that basically sums it up for this podcast. Uh, next week, I... Sad to report, there are really no good movies out, so we will whoa, be going whoa, to Caleb. see. There is we will be going movie. to see Crawl. Yeah, um, it's uh, like a horror with a crocodile. It's basically Jaws with a crocodile. In uh, a no, ho- I'd in say a, in a house. I'd say <laughs> Jaws and Sharknado. If you combine those two, it, I'm definitely gonna. It looks like I'm definitely gonna be laughing. So hopefully, I at least enjoy myself. Um, then also, we're gonna come back to uh, the Academy versus the people. It's gonna be uh, the one who flew over the cuckoo's nest. Versus Jaws, so uh, yeah. I've I've never seen one who flew over the cuckoo's nest, but I've seen Jaws countless times. So this sh- this should be interesting because both I think are supposed to be really good movies. So we'll and just just to throw it in, uh, we probably should Caleb talk about our sponsors. You know, last all podcasts do this. Oh yes. So yes. basically, we have no sponsors. So if you want to sponsor us, come sponsor us. <laughs> Throw all the money our way. All right. See you later, guys. <laughs>